Getting you through your Friday. It's Abilis Daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the MBR radio network. Of course, it is the longest week of the year. Uh, if you're a Major League Baseball fan, I know many people get excited about the All-Star Game. I just look at it as a chance that, you know, there's a couple of nights where you might be able to go to bed early. Seth Everett, our Major League Baseball insider from NBC Sports Radio, joins us now. Seth, um, what what was the plan this week for All-Star Break? Is this a big getaway thing? I know you said last week you, you were leaving the All-Star Game and, and, and headed on a trip to Maine. Like, what, uh, what's, what, is, has it worked out so far? Everything's good? Good week? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for your recommendations. It's the only reason why I'm agreeing to come on this but <laughs> It's good. Well, you see, and I knew there was a lot of pressure with that because you're like, hey, Maddie, uh, I'm coming up to Maine a couple weeks. A couple things to do. I'm like, well, well the funny thing things. is, we're com- we're, yeah, we're coming up to Maine, but you know, it's funny that you say that about the All-Star game because I always believe that if you are a person that covers a team day in and day out, like I don't do that, I cover the league, but if you cover a team and you're traveling with a team or you're you know on a beat for a team, you should not be at the All-Star Game. And there were so many reporters that would have deserved, you know, three or four days off uh, to not cover these players. And, you know, for example, I saw, you know, reporters that were covering teams that had one or two representatives. There was a guy from Kansas City there to interview Salvador, Salvador Perez. I, I said, wait a second, they couldn't get somebody else to do that for a day? I didn't understand. I didn't understand that, that, that aspect of it. Um, but, you know, for people like me who cover the league, it's a chance to see all the players in one place. It's a circus. You know, I, I kind of, a, you know, compare it to a high school reunion. But, uh, it, you know, it was a, it, was a, it was a spectacle, all right. Yeah, it was a spectacle. I, I like that. That's a, I really, you know, I got down to Washington. Uh, we did the Five Games, Five Days, Five Places tour this year, and I got down to Washington to see the new park for the first time. Absolutely beautiful, definitely a great place to hold an All-Star game, I think. Oh, it's a gorgeous. Yeah, and, and I thought Washington did a good job of as a host city. You know, I always evaluate host cities by whether or not they embrace all the things, you know, the, the, the pomp and circumstance that come with the All-Star game. You know, for example, I've always thought the best cities to host all-star games are mid-market size. You know, Seattle was a great host. Denver was a great host. Milwaukee was a great host. But when it was in Chicago, I don't think anybody cared. Uh, when it was in New York, I don't think anybody knew what was going on. That was twice. Um, it just, you know, there's a certain level of city. Um, I think next year Cleveland will really get behind it. But you know, in the year after, it's in Los Angeles, and nobody will pay it. Who in Los Angeles cares about the all-star yeah, that's a good. People travel there for, it. and it's funny too because when I um, when I uh, when I was down there for the for the Nationals game, and they were playing the Red Sox, and I was I was all over the city, and they had just opened the thing in the Smithsonian for the um, for the baseball exhibit and everything. Right. But that place was crawling with baseball fans, and I'm like, man, that's like the All Star Game is just going to be like eight trillion times that because the best part about dc is especially going for a sporting event there's a sporting event but then like you can get all like your field trips in for all your history friends you know what i mean like there's a ton of other stuff going on that you gotta go gotta go selfie in front of yeah a lot of a lot of people uh that i knew that were there to cover it you know did the lincoln memorial and the white house and all those different things a lot of players were asked about that a lot of players were saying that they were going to try to do and sightseeing, this is something that you wouldn't do. And I was saying, yeah, but you travel to Washington all the time for regular season games. Baseball travel is different than, for example, the NBA or the NHL because when you go to a city, it's really you're just there to play three games and then you're out as opposed to 
you know, when you go to an NBA city, you usually get there on a Tuesday, play on a Wednesday, and leave on a Friday. So, uh, you know, the uh, the All Star break not normally known for the for the heavy trade deadline stuff, but Manny Machado has a new home. He's headed to L.A. And also looks yeah. like the Cleveland Indians, who are my abs or my dark horse team in the in the American League, maybe my dark horse team in baseball right now, because they're not getting any talk. But they've got basically an automatic, they've basically got an automatic bid right now to the playoffs uh, in the AL Central, and they're gonna ha- they don't have to worry about a one game wild card. Just traded the uh, number fifteenth ranked overall prospect of the top one hundred, uh, Francisco Mejia. For a couple of relievers from uh, San Diego, Brad Hand and uh, Adam Simber. Let, let's talk a little bit about this move. I, this is a great move for Cleveland. Yeah, and it was very smart that I did not bother to do a podcast with Brad Hand. <laughs> I had a chance to, and uh, that would have been outdated immediately. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's good. You know, they, they, they uh, when they went to the World Series two years ago, it was on the heels of uh, what was a great bullpen, and they're going to fortify that bullpen again. I think it's a great addition. You know, look, nothing's free, uh, and uh, I think San Diego made a good trade. But uh, ultimately, I, I, I understand what your, your point is about the Indians because they are not going to play a meaningful game until October, and it's whether or not they can flip a switch. I don't think there are any, any guarantees that they can just simply – uh, you know, coast, and then all of a sudden, you know, light a flame. Whereas, for example, uh, Houston has to fight off Seattle, and, you know, Boston and New York are going to fight down to the wire. Uh, Cleveland, you know, there's no other team in their division that's over 500. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good point. I'm going to be real interested to see how Cleveland, because Cleveland has seven games against Boston uh, in the second half, how they play those. You know what I mean? I mean, they're obviously going to play them to win. They're not just going to rest everybody, you know, like it, like the Miami uh, Miami used to do with LeBron. But, you know, I'm going to be interested to see that because I think that's when you're really going to notice it because they got four games at Fenway in August and then three games in Cleveland in September. And then you have that that end of the season stretch there for the for the Red Sox. They've got the uh, the Yankees and Indians back-to-back on the road, and then they have the Yankees at home to clear it off. I mean, the AL East may not be settled until the final weekend of the season. You're right. The matter the Indians are even there. I think that, you know, my instinct has always been I'm on record as saying I think the Red Sox win. Um, I, I just think they're a better team. Uh, but the Yankees, you know, who knows what they do before this deadline? My question. Uh, I still. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fight. Yeah. The the Yankees right now, I kind of I kind of look at them a little bit the same way I look at the Boston Celtics. I think they have so much talent long term that if they slow play this, like a lot of people are going to get impatient and say, "We got to win now, and we got to do this, and you got to make a move." And George Steinbrenner would have made this move, and of course, all those things. But I, I'm totally okay with them. You know, you can't keep everybody, obviously, because you got Rule Five drafts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm totally okay with them not going all in and going crazy and. Spending prospects on a on a Jay Happ or a, or somebody like that when they really don't have to because in the next year two years you know that window for Cleveland that window for Boston is going to drop right off and there's a possibility they could you know it could be Yankees and Astros for the next five to seven years or the way this thing is panning out well, especially with the way the two well, franchises are. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think that a lot of that's leading. I think that you know the Yankees. Uh, don't have that strong a, a rotation. I, I think it's actually kind of comical 
the way they're opening up the second half and they're throwing their third fourth starters against the Mets um, just shows to you the absurdity of interleague play. Um, but I think that you know when they, when you're the Yankees and you know they're so under the luxury tax, I think the big thing will be which one of those big free agents do they go out and sign in the wintertime. Um, that's when I see Machado. Um, but the reality of it is, is that he, he would have to be a third baseman. I, I don't know that he wants to be a third baseman um, because I, I don't think I, I think the Yankees are in love with with uh, TV Gregorius and. You know, they want him to be a shortstop for a real long time. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I just think the Yankees are not as deep in the rotation. They have a great bullpen, but, you know, in the playoffs, it's going to be matchups. And, you know, when you're going up against the likes of, you know, Chris Dale, I, I just think the Yankees don't have really something to match up with. Yeah, it, it goes. You know, Severino and Sale kind of cancel each other out, but you really don't know what you're going to get from Tanaka and Sabathia, frankly. And right, I don't think right. Herman, you know, innings-wise, is going to last that long. And um, Loisica and Luis Sessa, no thanks. I'll I'll pass on that. I'll, I'm I'm going to send that back to the cook, please. Um, so yeah, there, but the problem is, who do you go out and get right now? Like, you know, is Lance Lynn a difference maker? You know, there's. It's not like the market's full of guys and. You know, this is one of those situations. It, it also reminds me of Celtics a couple of years ago. They got all these assets, and nobody was on the market. You know, until Kyrie Irving pops in. Is there still a chance at some point? We still got a, a couple of weeks here before the trading deadline. That maybe San Francisco or the Mets or maybe one of the teams that that has a has a good start, but realizes you know what we are not going to make it this year. You know, sets one of them loose. Like, does it behoove them to wait for that? Because honestly, you know, I look around it and I see the names like. Jay Happ and Cole Hamels and Lance Lynn, like not one of those guys, I think would do well in 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 Yankee Stadium. I think there's I think there's a lot of home run balls that would get served up by each one of those three gentlemen. You're correct, and especially here in the month of July. Um, I did a profile for Forbes on Happ, and this is a guy that was traded at the deadline three times. And you know, one of the things that you have to recognize is, you know. I don't think Jacob DeGrom is getting traded. I don't think Madison Baumgartner is getting traded, although I think the Giants kicked the tires on that. Uh, that's the blockbusters that were out there. And if it's not Machado, which it's made no sense for either the Yankees or the Red Sox to get Machado, there was there really isn't that blockbuster player. Unless somebody's playing uh, coy and really you know close to the vest and not, not divulging any of that information. But uh, from all the people that I talk to and all the things that I see, uh, I, I just don't see a blockbuster out there, and for that, the price tag should re- reflect that. Do you think that I feel like the Red Sox and Yankees are both going to be swimming in the bullpen market because one, I think the cost—I mean, look at for two long-term, fairly affordable relievers under club control for the next three years and five years from San Diego. Cleveland traded a top prospect that was basically blocked and actually was. Could have been traded a couple of years ago when uh, when Lucroy actually blocked the blocked the trade to Cleveland, so you wonder what they'll be able to get. I I was assuming that the Yankees were working on a deal with whatever was going on with Machado, that whatever it involved would involve a Britain or a Michael Givens or somebody like that, so that you know they got some bullpen help out of it. At this point, if there's no starters available, you might as well just load up that bullpen so that if the starter you do throw out there starts throwing like crap. Go to the bullpen early because I think you're going to start seeing more and more and more and more of that, especially during the playoffs. You, you know, you saw that last year in a couple of games. It, you know, you get knocked around in the first inning. Somebody else is coming in if need be. Like these are do or die games sometimes. I think that's the for the first. Uh, absolutely, I think the Brewers are 
in, inherent on adding relief pitching. You know, you mentioned Zach I, I think those are guys that uh, can be difference makers because if you shorten the playoffs and you, you just look at it from the standpoint of you're only expecting five innings out of your starter, you're going to need off options. And all these managers don't have enough options. And all these bullpens are tired. So uh, I think that you're absolutely right. I think it's time um, to, to just do, you know, fulfill a need. I mean, I understand the allure of a blockbuster trade, but if that doesn't present itself, just address what you really, you know, are going to need in the postseason. Especially if you know these teams are going to be there. Talking with Seth Everett, NBC Sports Radio. Joining us here, talking a little Major League Baseball. Do I sound like I'm closer? What's that? Do I sound like I'm closer? You do sound, you sound like you're closer a little bit, but at the same time, it's yeah. like you're, you know, either or. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. It's, it's, it's all right. I get it. I totally, totally get it. What um, is there? Well, a lot of teams are worried about that luxury tax here in this off season. Um, I know a lot of times and a lot of I, I usually probably in the next week or so, if there's not a lot, a couple more trades made, uh, I, I feel like you're going to start seeing the articles of watch the waiver deadline in August because there's going to be a lot of action. I feel like there may not be a lot of waiver action in August this year because I, I don't think anybody really wants to take on salary and blow up their luxury tax stuff at the end of the year. Well, you know, there's only one team paying luxury tax right now. And, um, you know, the Yankees could make a, make a trade and still stay under. Uh, I'd have to look at some of the other teams to see, you know, who's, who's really close. Uh, but, you know, the luxury tax is, in essence, the salary cap. And it's something that, if, you know, the union won't let them call it that. But, you know, you should have heard the discord between the union and the league at the All-Star game. But this idea that, the, you know, it, it's not you're allowed to go over the luxury tax, but nobody wants to. I mean, the fact that they've negotiated it so it's uh, 50% on the dollar, uh, that suddenly changes everything. And it makes some of these contracts ridiculously expensive. His name is Seth Everett. He joins us weekly here on the B-List to talk Major League Baseball. Even joined us this week during the All-Star break. Of course, we'll talk to him uh, next Thursday at our regularly scheduled time. Seth, thank you very much for calling in this morning, and we will talk to you next week. You got it, man. Thanks for having me. And, again, thanks for all the recommendations. Our our entire main excursion has been brought to you by the uh, NBR Network. <laughs> See, that's, what, that's, what, that's what's good to hear. That's what's good to hear. You're listening to the B-List yeah. Daily.